Welcome back to the Nest College Football Podcast. My name is Chris, and we got Tony. And this is episode 21. There's no ad again, so if you want to add, we want to advertise with us, please do. Uh, First, follow us on Twitter at the Nest CFB. The Nest C is in college, F is in foot, B is in bowling. On Twitter, first, let's hit it with the theme song. Episode 21, first we're going to hit you with the national landscape, then some temple talk and SEMO talk, which will be FCS National Championship recap. But first, before we hit the national landscape, we have to address one thing, Tony, am I right? Yeah. From last episode. Last episode, we had a situation where... We had some misinformation, and I'm going to take full responsibility for it. It was late. Actually, it wasn't really late. We didn't record late last episode. We usually record late, but this was a mistake we made about our transfer portal talk for Temple. And John DiCarlo on Twitter caught us, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Website covering Temple for Yahoo Sports. He is the student media managing director. Shout out, John. Thanks for catching our mistake and uh, blowing up our Twitter. Thanks for listening, too. Thank you for for listening, listening. John. Um, Had the wrong transfer portal. Uh, Flat out uh, looked at 2019. It was edited on January 2nd of 2020. So that's when I saw the last update was right now if you go to that page it's january 11th 2020 so it was literally updated yesterday why are they updating the 2019 transfer portal page i don't know why but that's what i read off and uh to be honest i was reading these names and i had a feeling something was off and something was wrong especially as like um now that you say it and he said like harrison hand played all year i freaking knew that i don't know why but my brain just did not comprehend or click at all uh he was the transfer from baylor last year um so yeah i uh completely screwed that up and um there's the 2020 transfer portal which um is updated uh has like five guys in it so we're gonna cover that when we talk about temple talk so think uh we're going to review the 2019 transfer portal. The guys that we said, hey, are coming in and leaving the program this coming year. Nope, that happened last year. I'm an idiot, and uh, that's on me. Hand up. So we're going to do better, and we're going to cover the 2021 that we should have done last week, and we're going to review the 2019 transfer portal, guys. So, But before we do that, before we, do that um, we thank you for listening and coming back if you were here last episode. And, John, I hope you're listening. Thank you. Um, but first let's preview the national championship game, LSU, Clemson, New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, 8 PM Eastern tomorrow night, January 13th, the clash of the Tigres, the Bayou Bengals, 
and the ugly Clemson Tiger mascots. What's your thoughts? We've been thinking about it for a couple weeks now. Let's preview the game. Dive on in, Tony. Uh, first off, I want to say um, they skipped a week. I feel like this game should should be played a week earlier. I know that you're competing with football and uh, playoffs and what have you. You think it should be played last Monday? I do. I, I feel like there's a um, the, 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 there's hype. I guess you try to build hype during the week off, but you know, it, college football. After all the bowl games, you, you kind of want to keep that momentum, and all of a sudden, and you have a, a a week break from everything just to wait for this big game. Well, I mean, last um, Monday was the important Louisiana and Miami of Ohio game, the Mobile Alabama Bowl. So, I know, but you can you can move that one anywhere. I mean, I, move that. I mean, that's a classic staple. I don't think you can move that game. I I think you could I think you could figure that out. But <laughs> uh, you know that, that 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 being said, this game has a lot of uh, fun storylines. You know, the battle between Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. I think that's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, and and the fact that you know Clemson, as much as we've talked on this podcast throughout the year about the lack of challenges they've had all year. They're still the champion. I mean, they're the defending champion, and they proved that they are, especially against Ohio State. And then you got LSU, who's, you could argue this, but they've been the best team all year, and now they're going to clash. For one game in New Orleans, I think it's a, a recipe for a classic, and um, should be a fun one to watch. Agreed. I think this will be one of the best national championship games in a long time. I think it'll go up there with, uh, I think, the Alabama-Clemson game from a while back that Tua, the Tua came in for a few years ago. That was a great game. Um, I think this will be right up there with that. Both teams uh, undefeated, and I think LSU, if I'm not wrong, we have one. Let me count it. I think it's six. Two, three, four, five, six. Six wins against top ten teams. Every ranked opponent they've played this season has been a top ten opponent. If they win this game, that's seven top ten wins. They go down. LSU goes down as the one of the greatest college football teams in the history of college football. The 2020 LSU Tigers. Yeah, I agree. I think they're the seven win. If they get that seventh win against Clemson, um, I feel that. I mean, how can you disagree with that? They're they're they got everything you would need. They got the quarterback who kind of his story, just his story alone, is special. And then you, and then you talk about Coach O and his storyline, how he jumped from job to job and couldn't find that right niche until he found LSU and LSU found him. And um, you know this. And then you would talk about the old resume, you know, possibly seven twenty top twenty five wins, playing in the SEC, which is an easy conference. To, you have the strength of schedule, but it's easy to slip up too sometimes. And um, I, I got to agree with you; this would be a fantastic year, and 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 an accomplishment in itself to end with a championship and, and to go down in history. But let's flip side that a little bit of Clemson. You know they 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 have an opportunity to go what fifteen and zero for two years straight is that right? Yep. And they may go down uh, if they're not already considered a dynasty right now. They I mean, would they, could, they Clemson could go down as 
the greatest team in college football history. Yeah, I mean, to go back to back with with Trevor Lawrence and winning this, I mean, I I, I have to agree. Now, I mean, we'll, we'll look back, you know, ten years from now and, and talk about the era, and um, you know, and the NBA is kind of going going through this where you know you have teams everyone joins together and they win championships but uh, and you compare those to teams you know 30 years ago um but in this time right now i mean clemson and alabama everyone's gonna be talking about who's the better overall dynasty and right now a little bit i mean uh, alabama will have a a say in it next year but right now clemson feels like the team right now and we're in a new decade and we'll see a whole new decade of championships and accomplishments but Clemson is that program I think that's taking the next step towards the the the, the, the dynasty of college football yes I think this game is going to be a close one and um, I think some keys to take into the game is from some of the things I've been looking at uh, with both of these teams offenses and, and defenses as that Clemson has a great pass defense, number one pass defense of the entire season in the entire country. But then if you look at LSU, they might have the best pass defense as of late. Um, When you look at the numbers, uh, I do think one of the keys for LSU's defense is going to be Stopping Clemson on second downs. Because once they get to third down, they are not the same team. They are 28th in the country on third and long success rates. They're 44th on third and medium. And they're 33rd on third and short. And in the Ohio State game... The last game, they were 5 for 14 on third down, 36%. So if you could get them to third down and 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 stop them on second downs, because they are very good on second down, if you can get them to third downs, um, LSU's defense might be looking good. Yeah. Because um, on third downs, they've only allowed, 31% allowed for this season, third down conversions. So that's that's top ten in the FBS, um, and it, and they've been even better the last five games with a twenty five percent conversion rate of their opponents on third down. So I, getting them to third down is is going to be key because about seventy percent of the time they're gonna go they're gonna be punting. If you can get them to third down. Seven out of ten of those times, they're going to be getting, giving the ball back to you. So yeah. I think I think that's going to be key to this game in keeping Clemson under control is that defense focus on – if you're watching this game, when you're watching this game, pay attention to Clemson on second and third downs throughout this entire game. I uh, And I think ultimately, and this is for both defenses, you know – Pressure and having a, a spy on the quarterback, and I, I and I mean both both quarterbacks. I think everybody knew that Trevor Lawrence can run. You got to stop him on his, on. You can't let him convert on his legs. 
No, and then Joe Burrow, I'll tell you this, he impressed me, you know, when he didn't have a throw to make against Oklahoma. Guess what he did? He ran with it. And anybody who watched Chiefs games today uh, with uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not comparing Mahomes to Burrow, but in this aspect, maybe I am, when he didn't have a throw, guess what he did? He ran for about 10 to 15 yards and kept the drive going. And Burrow has that ability. You fear his arm, you fear his precision and his accuracy, but when that throw isn't there, he won't make it. He can make a play outside the pocket and get some yards too. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Burrow is going to have a great game. I think it's literally going to come down to getting Clemson to to third downs. Um, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, a, little, a, little, a little fun tidbit here. Uh, actually, maybe two fun tidbits. Uh, due to weather in New Orleans, Clemson had a practice in their hotel ballroom. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. Uh, I saw they were in the Saints facility uh, two days ago. Yeah, well, the, the last practice before the championship game, I think they had a practice. It was a walkthrough, granted, but they had walk a walkthrough in the ballroom. Yeah, walkthrough in the ballroom. And the second tidbit was Where was Clemson? Was, no, Clemson had to practice in the ballroom, not LSU. LSU uh, practiced in their facility LSU was at um was at the Saints facility yeah. indoor facility that's right and then Clemson was in the uh, ballroom gotcha. in the hotel and then the second tidbit was uh the scout team QB for Clemson who was you know imitating Joe Burrow got hurt I don't I don't know what type of injury it was so guess who took the place of the scout team QB I'm gonna go with Dabo Sweeney close the, the defensive coordinator Venables ooh he took the place of the scout team quarterback. So that had to be, um, you know, you, you, there's different aspects of practice, but kind of a fun, even though it's a serious time to practice, it's kind of, it had to be a unique practice to, to play against your defensive coordinator. And, you know, he's basically the perfect guy to do it because he knows everything. He's been studying this tape for, um, you know, probably longer than Oklahoma. I mean, you, 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 plan, to beat, uh, you plan to beat Ohio State, I mean. Um, but I bet he looked at what else you had just in case they won that game. And uh, for him to play Burrow had to be fun for him, and then his players to try to stop him had to be fun for them. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting game coming up, and I am very excited for this game, especially with ESPN. Their consistent coverage of this game is always electric. Um, I watch on Apple TV, which you have Apple TV too. Um, yes. Now, when you watched the Sugar Bowl and uh, what was it, the Cotton Bowl? Yes. Two games. Did you watch uh, the regular main broadcast? I I watch, um, I flip back and forth between the main one and then they have a unique camera angle one. Which one? Because uh, I have all 15. So I'll read you the 15 uh, different broadcasting views of the Megacast is what ESPN calls it. They have the ESPN on regular ESPN, they have the main broadcast, which is what you would normally see. But if you're watching on an internet stream, the main broadcast will not load on national championships. From personal experience, the last four years watching these games on an Apple TV, on a live stream, you can't watch the main broadcast because too many people on it, it just doesn't load. So you have to jump to one of the other options. And when you go to the other options, you got a lot to pick from. You have 14 other options. You have the field pass, which is Adam Amin and Steve Levy. Uh, as they roam the sidelines, and Pat McAfee will be there uh, as well on ESPN2 for that field pass view. Then ESPN, you'll have the Coach's Film Room, and this year, Coach's Film Room will be Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State, 
Jeff Halfley from Boston College, Gary Patterson of TCU, and Derek Mason of Vanderbilt. These four head coaches, they're just going to be sitting around shooting the shit, just talking football, guys being dudes, watching that championship game. That's a fun one to watch. The coaches' film room on ESPNU. Then you have ESPN News will have the command center. This is one of my personal favorites. You have on the top, this is what I watched the uh, LSU game against Oklahoma on and the Ohio State comes game. You have the top left is the Sky Cam, and then you have the top right, which is the main broadcast. Those are big, bigger screens blown up. Then the bottom middle, you have the stats of each team. Then the small screens on the bottom left, bottom right is the respective head coaches of each team, always on screen. That's always fun to watch. Then you have the goal, uh, uh, the data center, which is just real-time stats, analysis, player info, and social media trends. Then you have the ACC network, which will have the Clemson radio broadcast. SEC network will have the LSU radio broadcast with the live television feed. So if you want that bias, go watch either of those. ESPN Classic will have sounds of the game. This is just hundreds of microphones inside the Superdome. And you, there's no broadcast. It's just the band, natural sounds of the game, and just the sounds of the crowd, like if you're on the field. It's just hundreds of microphones all throughout. That's all that one is. Then this new this year is the Ref Cast, which is NFL referee John Perry, SEC ref, a Pac-12 ref. They're just sitting around watching the game, and they're talking about the game. Then you have the SkyCast, which is just the SkyCam. That's on the app. Then you have the All-22 the camera angle that will show all 22 players on the field at the same time, giving the app viewer the same thing that players and coaches in the film room when they're scouting an opponent. Uh, then you have the tech cast, which is uh, 12 different camera angles on the TV at the whole, all simultaneously. Then you have ESPN Deportes, which is always fun to flip to when you have um, a touchdown and you just flip to it, watch the replay, and they're just going nuts in Spanish. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, the 15 casts that you can watch. I'll probably be flipping the command center, the film room with the coaches, and probably the all 22. And just I love hearing the sounds of the game sometimes too. I'll flip between like probably four or five of those. Yeah. So I'm excited for that and the consistent coverage of the mega cast that that we're gonna see. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you this question before we pick our game. Who is the real Death Valley? Because both of these teams consider themselves the de- the real Death Valley. And I, they're both I, Tigers. So yeah. who's the real Tiger? Who's the real Death Valley? I'm going to put in my vote the real Tiger is LSU. I mean, I, I, I mean the have... mascot, when you have when you have Mike the Tiger, the real real Tiger and then two, the actual costume mascots, the Clemson one is atrocious. Atrocious. Just so hideous. Um, so I'm going LSU is the real, the better Tiger mascot. Who's your idea for the real Tiger? Who's the better Tiger? Who's the better Death Valley? Who's the real Death Valley? I'll start the Death Valley question first. I um, got to think back to, you know, the success and, and, you know, being born in early 90s. You know, growing up watching college football, you know, who'd you hear about Death Valley? Who was at school? And for me, it was always LSU. I know they won a championship with Saban in 06. And um, that I always thought LSU was that power program. You know, Clemson 
they always had a good program, but when Dabo took over, that's what changed the platform for them. Um, but for me, the real Death Valley would be the LSU Tigers. 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 Uh, but the Tiger question, the Tiger question, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be completely unbiased here. We're gonna find out tomorrow who's the Ooh. real Tiger. You know, let's see who the real Tiger is tomorrow. I think uh, what a clash we got, and uh, I'm not, I'm trying to think. I have to look on my, I got my phone right next to me to, to get a good picture. I know that LSU has a great mascot with the Tiger. I, I can't, I have to look up for Clemson's, but I know that LSU had, at least had an actual Tiger brought they to the still game. Do. They, they still do. They still do Mike, Mike, Mike 9, I believe they're on. Um, I've met Mike 8, and I've also met Mike 9. I've met the last two Mikes um, yeah. in his habitat, which is uh, absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, but they've always had Mike the Tiger for the last at least 40 years, I believe, on campus. Yeah, so that's unique in itself. And I don't know, Clemson doesn't have a real tiger, I'm pretty sure. So No, they do but not. Tomorrow, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, we'll find out. They'll let the lions out of the cage, and we'll see who the... Lions uh, out of the cage or the tigers out of the cage? I said lions. I said tigers out of the cage. And bears? Tigers. Yeah, and maybe bears, yeah. Um, but tigers. The tigers out of the cage, and we'll see who the real tiger is. Interesting. Well, I am looking online to see who had the name Death Valley first. And from what I can see, it is uh, this title of this headline from about nine days ago is The Real Death Valley. Sorry, Clemson, this is LSU's name now. But Clemson had it first. Wow. From what I'm reading. And then it was LSU. Um, I think whoever wins tomorrow gets the claim they're the real one. That's right. I think, uh, and who knows? I mean, I don't know what LSU's got to build their program off. We know Clemson's most likely going to be there. Seems like every year they're in the playoff. Um, and we'll see what else you can do next year. But maybe this is maybe a new rivalry starting. Um, we'll maybe see this game happen in the next upcoming years. But uh, tomorrow we'll for sure that whatever team wins gets those bragging rights. Who's your Who's your pick? Who's your win? Who are you Woo. going? Uh, well, should we talk about the uh, where we stand, the standings of our picks first? Um, I, I think we should make our pick, and we're going to dive right into the recap of the Louisiana Miami game next. Alrighty. So based off, I'm picking off the fact that I I want. To catch you in our picks, um, so you're not gonna I, go with what you truly believe. I truly believe one thing, but you're gonna uh, try and go for the tie. I'm gonna go. Well, I mean, I don't know. We don't have. We're not. I guess we're not really competing for anything. That's true. I mean, we're not really competing. For, we're competing so, for the. You and I are competing for the, the best record, of, bowl mania. Yeah, Between you and I of the Nest College Football Podcast co-hosts. So, I mean, I'm 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 gonna beat you to it. I'm gonna pick LSU. I think Joey Burrow wins it. I think he goes down in Lure. They build him a statue outside of Death Valley in Baton Rouge. I think uh he becomes the mayor in about thirty five years. And then he comes back but before that he comes back to Cincinnati. He comes back to Ohio. 
bring Cincinnati to the playoffs in the next four four years. Does he win? Does he win a playoff game in Cincinnati? He wins a playoff game in Cincinnati. Uh, Andy Dalton went there seven years. I don't think he won one. He Joe Burrow wins a playoff game in Cincinnati. AJ Green comes back because he loves Joe Burrow. Mm. All right. Well, just to make this fun, um, I'm going to go with Clemson. Ooh, uh, I think Cl- Clemson uh, underdog. Is it? Is this a hot take? It might be a hot take. I no. Don't know. No. No hot take. Okay. Um, Clemson, they got the heart of a champion. They proved, I think they beat a very good Ohio State team. And um, and they showed, even though they were down, that they could battle back and win against a very talented team. So I'm going to stick. I think we've picked against Clemson, or we doubted Clemson. We not picked, but I've doubted against Clemson all year. And we doubted them against Ohio State. And they proved us wrong all year. And maybe I don't want to get proved wrong again. I'm going to go with Clemson and Trevor Lawrence and then Dabo Sweeney for the win. Nice. We'll see how it goes. That's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Make sure you tune in on ESPN, one of the 15 casts of the mega cast that they have going on. So what we're going to transition to, the uh, recap, the Mobile Alabama Bowl. I did not win this pick. I picked Miami. You picked Louisiana. I was in the gym working out, watching this game, hoping that uh, Miami of Ohio was going to make a comeback. They had a chance to do that, but they did not follow through and uh, be able to seal the deal. So um, you won this one, Louisiana. And uh, not much to really talk about this game. It was a 10-point game, 27-17. Louisiana beat Miami of Ohio. And you are currently sitting 24 and 15, and I'm sitting 25 and 14. If Clemson wins, then we will be tied for our records in the podcast bowl game mania picks. If LSU wins, then I win the the winner picks of our records. So it'll be a fun one to watch. So, but that's it. I don't know you got any comment on the Miami Louisiana game. No, I, like I said, I feel like that game could have got moved. I mean, you could have put um, the national championship maybe a week earlier just to keep the um, to keep the, the, the momentum kind of, going. For no, the... I will say, I will say, I think the the counterpoint to what I'm trying to say is, well, it's good for the bodies of the kids. The longer break, maybe you see a better football game. Uh, and, I, and I and I and I agree with that. I could see that being good, especially for young young kids playing, but. Uh, Definitely, you lose some momentum. It's a big game, and you hate for that to happen, but definitely uh, something could be changed. I know you got to play the game on a Monday. I, I get that. That's the tradition of the college championships, but um, um, be nice to see something, maybe keep it fresh or change the scheduling or what have you. Gotcha. Well, I think it's time to head to Temple Talk. Temple, here we go. Like we mentioned earlier in the episode, we had a little snafu last episode where he gave out some outdated information. That's on me. But what we're going to do, we're going to go back and review uh, the guys that we said were coming in next year or leaving this year. Uh, They actually already did. And some of them are already going to the NFL draft in the combine. And um, 
currently uh, we're going to go and review and see how these guys are after entering the portal. How did they end up when they left Temple or when they came into Temple? And first off, we're going to start with Sean Ryan. He is deemed immediately eligible by Owls Daily um, from Temple to West Virginia. And he played uh, in a few games this year. I don't have how many games he played in. But I can tell you, he caught 19 passes for 219 yards. Compared to his season before at Temple, he caught 12 passes for 162 yards and had a touchdown at Temple. No touchdowns at West Virginia for our guy Sean Ryan from Brooklyn, New York. Um, He is a sophomore, though, so he has a couple more years left. So yardage is climbing up. His average yards dropped two yards uh, from last year. So um, maybe a good move for him. Too tough to tell if it was uh, a, the right choice, uh, statistics-wise and future-wise, but I'd say it, it's a pretty stagnant move. It, it's a pretty lateral move, I'd say. Yeah, it looks like he played in seven games. There we go. Thank you for pulling that up. Seven, seven games. games. I'd say it's pretty lateral. Um, with West Virginia finishing 5-7, and seven, he didn't get to go to a bowl game, so that's tough to not experience a bowl game. Um. So in the bottom half of the Big Twelve, so maybe next year uh, we'll 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 see how uh, Sean Ryan plays out. He's still got two more years to figure out. He's a big dude, six foot three, two hundred pounds. So he's still got time to to become that NFL prospect. So he's a Brooklyn kid too, though. Yep. Yep. So interesting one. And we're gonna move on from Sean. We're gonna head to next up is Tyler Sear, tight end. Transferred from Pitt to Temple. Um, from what I am seeing, he was not immediately eligible, but he did play on defense. Um, he had one tackle in 2019. That was it. So I don't know if he was in on he was in on one play or two plays maybe, but he had one tackle. He's from Newcastle, PA, and uh, he's a junior, tight end. So maybe he'll get some more action next year uh, now that Kenny Yaboa is gone. and uh, But we do have a Purdue tight end that is coming in, which we're going to touch on. So maybe we won't see Tyler Sear getting a ton of touches on the, as, as a tight end. But uh, Tyler Sear, maybe he'll get some – he'll probably get – he'll get some more game action next year, I'm going to predict. Um, will it be catching a bunch of passes at a tight end? Probably not. Next up, we're going to move to the offensive line. Darian Bryant, transferred offensive tackle, transferred from Temple to Towson uh, last year. Big boy, six foot six, three hundred thirty pounds from Philadelphia. Um, he did not play in two thousand nineteen. Now, I'm not sure why, because he's immediately eligible because he dropped down to FCS. Um, that's just how the rules work. He's not marked as an owl on Owls Daily that he was immediately eligible. So maybe um, grades-wise he wasn't eligible, but um, playing time, playing-wise, he should have been based on the FBS drop down to FCS level. Moving on. To the defensive line, 
we touched on next was Dante Burke. He transferred uh, out of Temple. Uh, to We don't know. Nowhere on the internet shows where he transferred. Um, six foot four, 253 pounds. If you go to the internet, uh, you go to his ESPN.com page. Just shows he's number 48, defensive end, hometown Virginia Beach, Virginia. Doesn't have any stats. Doesn't show where he's transferred from. No information on Dante Burke, so he is an unknown. Also on Google, can't find where he transferred. So he may have not been playing football at all this year anywhere. Moving on to the next defensive line was Antonio Colcloth. Transferred to James Madison University, immediately eligible, where he played in three games and had a, his first tackle against Morgan State on September 14th. Um, our guy from Harlem, New York, played at Cardinal Hayes High School, which is uh, in the city. I actually played against them, Cardinal Hayes, in high school when I was uh, played football in high school. Um Going back to my football days, where I was the scout defensive MVP uh, at safety, where I had a 12 interceptions on the year in practice and was named scout defensive player of the year. Um, not uh, the humble brag myself, but um, yeah, I mean, you earned it though. You're out. There I did. I was out there up mean, against the first team offense every single not- day. Sounds like a Rudy story, almost. Almost, I got in. I had a, I had one tackle in the season. Uh, in in in. Did they, they carry you off the field? Did they carry off? No, no carrying off. I do remember. There's a photo somewhere on my Facebook. I believe it's hidden, but I can tell you this story. When I was, um, I only played safety, and I was always with the defensive backs. I never wanted to play running back at all. On the offensive side, I was tossed to running backs since I don't want to go anywhere near running backs. I just wanted safety. I like feeling like I was in center field. I like being able to see everything that's happening and never wanted anybody to go past me. We had a home game, and I was put in. Uh, our defensive backs coach switched me from safety and told me to go in at corner. And I was like, Coach, that's a bad idea. Don't put me at corner. But they put me in a corner one play, and I was, in the, I was on the opposite side of the field where our sideline was. So I'm right next to the sideline of the opposing team and i'm in a corner one play and lined up against me is right right receiver we're we're way out on the end uh about six foot two kid and i'm sitting there uh in high school i was probably sitting around like five one five two this guy had a full 12 inches on me easily and their head coach and offensive corner are jumping Jumping up and jumping up and down on the sideline, screaming, mismatch, mismatch, mismatch. And I, all I thought to myself was, shit. I know exactly where this ball is going. Without a doubt, they are going to the end zone. They called an audible. They, I know this guy is going streak straight to the end zone. And uh, my the safety was um, Brandon Monahan. Uh, who usually plays cornerback, or or uh, he was in at safety, and I, we should have switched. I should have been in at safety. He should have been at corner. They threw the they threw it straight to the end zone, uh, about like thirty five yard pass, and safety didn't get able to get there in time to help me. But he was there a little bit, 
Um, and I just try everything I can to, to tip this pass out. And uh, there's, a pa- there's a picture of this guy scoring touchdown. Me flat on my face. Brendan Monahan flat on his face uh, in the end zone. And just they're just walking right over us. Um, very funny photo when you look back at it. And maybe I'll find it and I'll tweet it out on the Nest College Football Twitter. But you have to go follow us to find it. Um, very funny. Um, and I was taken right away out. Never put in a cornerback. I said, Coach, I told you, don't ever put me in a corner. Put me in at safety. I would have been fine. Um, but yeah, no way I was going to keep up with this kid. Oh, looking back in hindsight, I should have mauled him and just called got, and called for pass interference and just jumped on his back uh, and just tripped him up. I should have done everything to stop this touchdown, but scored on uh, right over me. Um, I'm not sure why I went on this tangent. Uh, do you know why I went on that tangent? Well, I ask you oh, Cardinal Hayes, because we played college, talking about high school football. Yep, that was a... That was the low light of my college days, my college days, high school days. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you had like a Rudy story, and it sounded like you, you had the opposite of that. Yeah, very very quiet. One play in a corner, and I was like, I should not be in a corner, coach. And I went back to safety and then uh, played safety the rest of the season, and I was in that uh, scout defensive safety, which was always a blast, picking off Austin Kraft, that quarterback. Um but we're going to head on back to our our reviews of Antonio uh, played three games and uh, JMU lost national championship, which we're going to touch on in a bit. Next, we have Colin Washington, who transferred to um, who transferred to an A10 school, St. Francis University, SFU, where he's from Philly. And uh, he played in zero games as a redshirt sophomore. Did not see any game action for Colin Washington. Uh, moving on to the linebackers. Uh, that was Colin Washington linebacker. Then we had Legerion Holder. Transferred out of Temple to an unknown school. Cannot find him anywhere. Uh, he's from Long Island. From Stony Brook, New York. Can't find him at all. Where he transferred. I don't know if he's playing at all anywhere. Um, but no more Legerian Holder. Um, next, we have defensive backs. Harrison Hand, cornerback from Baylor to Temple. This was probably the hottest transfer of all of these guys. He just declared for the draft. Shout out to John DiCarlo, who informed us of this, um, which I do remember since I, my brain was just not working. Uh, it was a noodle, apparently. But he was the 2019 Defensive Player of the Game in the Memphis game. The College Sports Madness National Defensive Player of the Week uh, against the number 21 Maryland team we played. American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Week, same week. And American Athletic Conference Honor Roll during the Memphis game. And also 2017, he was the Honorable Mention All-Big 12 team by the coaches. So, um, great season. Um, for Harrison Hand, and uh, hopefully he lands on an NFL roster. Great get, yeah. and probably the top transfer in or out of Temple throughout scout the team. Scout team guy, maybe too, if he can catch on, and who knows? Yep, you're in on the scout team after my scout team heroics, aren't you? Hey, it's it's all about catching on somehow, some way, and. And uh, when you declare, and if you don't get picked, and then, then you gotta fight in mini camp, and then training camp, and 
Um, you may not always make the roster, but if you're going to make a, a scout team and the, you have the opportunity to be picked up by um, any team, if they really like Miami Dolphins, they were picking people off these teams all year because they, you know, they were filling voids in their roster. So you just got to catch on somewhere, and who knows? You you play you ball, and someone will someone will eventually get you. Yep, moving on to cornerback, we have Kareem Ali. He was um, immediate transfer eligible from Temple to Western Michigan Broncos. He played in every game. He ha- His best game was uh, against Syracuse. He had three solo tackles. Um, he had uh, 11 tackles on the season. And one tackle for loss. He had one interception, I believe, for 88 yards during the bowl game against Western Kentucky. Other than that, um, he saw action in all games, which is great. And uh, good for Kareem. And he is, he was a fifth year, so he is... Probably looking to find a spot on an NFL roster next year, whether it's a roster or a practice squad. Next we have Aaron Monroe, safety, Penn State to Temple. He is a grad student, so he's gone after this year. Um, transferred in the summer, started at safety against Bucknell in the opener, recorded first two tackles as a Temple Owl. Also saw action in kickoff unit and recorded his first career interception in the win against Tulane. Again, another guy looking to probably land on a practice squad or a, a, uh, a mini camp invite. Next, we have Joseph Takopina. Butchered that. Transferred to Temple. Uh, kicker. And uh, can't figure out where he went. I don't think he's in football anymore. Um, oh, we could check his Twitter. Let's see where he is at um, from his Twitter. You could probably find it out. He is uh, says he's Temple University, but he hasn't been active on Twitter since December 2018, so that's not updated. So, uh, MIA for Joseph Takapina. Next up, we have Aaron. I'm gonna butcher his last name, but immediate transfer eligible kicker from Temple to Boston College. Another guy uh, who played pretty much all year. He was a grad transfer. And had uh, hit a 30-yard field goal, six PATs against Richmond. He converted all three PATs and a four-yard field goal against your Kansas Jayhawks. 37-yarder against Rutgers. Um, 22-yarder Wake Forest. 45-yarder against Louisville. And 27-yarder against NC State. So kicked pretty well. Another guy uh, looking to make the jump to the next level. Maybe we'll see him in the XFL. Who knows? Who knows? But with the XFL rules, kickers are becoming obsolete. Probably won't see him. Next up, we have a long snapper, Ronald Gaines, the third, Illinois to Temple. He is a redshirt sophomore and was a special teams player of the game at the Buffalo loss. So we'll probably see more action from him as he progresses for his last two years of eligibility. That's it for the 2019 transfer portal. And our reviews of the guys that I completely messed up on last episode. But moving on to what we meant to do 
was the 2020 Temple College football transfer portal guys. There are five names in here. Some of them you've heard before, and others we are waiting to hear from. No, no coaching change this year. Major head coaching change. So there's not going to be a lot of different, uh, a lot of guys in the transfer portal. So we'll run through um, three receivers on here. Nazir Burnett, we've mentioned, who on signing day, transferring wide receiver from Georgia Tech to Temple, and he is pending an appeal to become immediately eligible um, to play for Temple next year. Um. We also have Darius Pittman, we mentioned. He's an immediate eligible tight end from Purdue to Temple. He's a three-star guy at a high school. Nazir is also a three-star guy at a high school. And then we've talked about this. Kenny Yaboa, who is the tight end this year for the Temple Owls, will be transferring to Baylor, and he's immediately eligible, 100% going to Baylor. Next, we have defensive line. Our man we mentioned last week, Quincy Roche, who our guy John DiCarlo reported that um, he spoke with Quincy Roche and there is no ill will towards the coaches. I did say last week that I did speculate to say that I'm spreading falsehoods John uh, did not spread any falsehoods. We were just purely speculating. Was he leaving because he was unhappy with the current coaching staff? We were happy to report in an exclusive interview for with uh, Quincy and John DiCarlo. Not unhappy with the current coaches, just exploring options. Um, but we did report first here Miami, and according to Owls Daily, there's a 100% prediction to go to the Miami Hurricanes. He was there. Over, uh, at some point this past week for a visit and um, he will be transferring. The prediction is Miami and they are 100% and we, we reported that last week he will be going to Miami. You heard it here first, Quincy Roche to Miami. You heard it last week. We're saying it again. Went on the visit. He's going to Manny Diaz. Any comments on those guys? I got one more before we head into that. No, that the only one that's interesting is that Baylor kid. Um, he obviously transferred before he knew Matt Rule was lo- uh, leaving. Yes, but you have to think that Matt Rule. You know, you, you know, have to think Matt Rule. You know the the rumors are out there. So I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was also thinks. early in December when he announced he was going to transfer, but he didn't pick Baylor yet. Do we see um, Ed Foley become the next head coach at Baylor? I'm as not sure. He's got a lot of experience. Maybe Kenny's going there because he likes Ed as well. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. You uh, got to figure Baylor's going to hire from within just because there's so much momentum with that program and um, trying to find that Matt Rule guy. And it very well could be Ed Foley, but you got to find some guy with the, the same um, passion and the same um, coaching ability as Matt Rule. And I think somebody. that's Ed Foley. Ed Foley needs a chance. He's older, but he is one of the guys that has been a he's, – he's an older dude, but he has been part of that Temple program for over a decade, and these players would do anything for, for Ed. Ed will do anything for his players. So 
I think Ed Foley is my top choice for. I don't. I don't think it is. It's not a flashy hire at all. It won't make a splash, but it is a very good core hire uh, if you want to continue what Matt Rule's been doing. But we're gonna jump into. We don't got a lot of time left. Jump into the last one was defensive back Quantel Reens, safety transferring from West Virginia to Temple. He is pending his uh, his pending appeal to become immediately eligible. He is a four star recruit out of high school, um, a ninety two percent overall rating, six foot three, two hundred pounds, big big safety. If he could become immediately eligible, that would be great for this defense. Um, but anything else on Temple Talk? We're going to roll into SEMO Talk in uh, five seconds. No, I think we just got the um, corrections made, and uh, hopefully um, we, we did a good job with it. And hopefully gained some listeners, uh, as last episode was one of our top five listened episodes, um, thanks to John DiCarlo. Moving on to SEMO Talk. SEMO talk, which is going to be FCS playoff update from Tony because he loves his FCS. We're going to recap the North Dakota State versus James Madison University FCS National Championship game. North Dakota State pulls out the win 28-20, to winning eight out of the last nine national championship games. Yeah, I mean, what a game, and a game came down to the wire, a last um, attempt for James Madison, which was intercepted, but uh, North Dakota State, uh, what can you say about him? 16-0, and 0, um, eight out of nine years, national champions, uh, they did it with a freshman quarterback, Trey Lance, who um, threw for 72 yards, six for 10, and then you look at the rushing ability, 30 carries, 166 yards for the touchdown. And I need to say, he's a true freshman. He's not going anywhere. And North Dakota State just proved that they're the champions. And James Madison, they competed and they kept it a game. And and, um, it, and it goes to prove that on paper, on paper, James Madison looked better as a passing, rushing, and receiving team with their leaders. But it we, the games aren't played on paper, and that's why we play them out in real life. So even de- even defensively on paper, they they were better statistically. So, yep. uh, but North Dakota State, you know, you're, and they they had a big change too. They're coaching their uh, can't think of his name. He took the job at Kansas State. Yep. Um, so they had a new new coach and or a coach that, that was with the program before. Just took the the title of head coach, and um, sometimes when you make a coaching change, you know things can be. Um, not the same, but uh, North Dakota State kept success, and uh, they're your champions of SCS football. Yes, and uh, with the dynasty here, at what point does North Dakota State make the jump to FBS? You know, I, it's it's tough because, you know, they, they are having so much success, and sometimes, um, you know, it depends on the school and what they want to do. Sometimes you're content with what you're doing. And uh, North Dakota State, no one's going to stop them anytime soon. And um, they have a great following up there. And, you know, I've heard more rumors about James Madison making a jump and uh, with their stadium and, and where their program's at. 
and I'm being on the East Coast, I think that makes a little uh, more of, of an opportunity for them. But See, I would you know, contradict that and say North Dakota State is in a better location, and North Dakota State should make the jump. Not alone, let alone to the Pac-12, to the to the FBS, but to the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't know if they get in the Pac-12. I think they go... I think uh, if they... And not even Mountain West. I'm saying yeah. put North Dakota State in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is immediately stronger. They'd be I, better. I, I, may, I don't know. I think it takes years to build the program, and uh, I'm not sure if they could compete week in and week out with Pac-12 teams. I, I would love to see it and see the what The Pac-12 is weak. This will make the Pac... I think North Dakota State going to the Pac-12... If they they it takes years to do it, there's a transition process, and you can't be in um, you can't be in any playoffs for like the first three years. But if they were to play in the Pac-12, I think they would hold their own. It, it would be interesting. I, I think the, um, they're a better fit and, and makes more sense. Maybe Mountain West, but no, and I no can see what. them being a great rival to Boise State. Consistently. Oh yeah. That'd be fun. I, I think that would be a great rivalry. And, you know, North Dakota State, like you, like you said, maybe it's time to think. I just don't know. It's ultimately up to administration and the school. And, and it's hard at the same I mean, a lot of fans, you know, you're enjoying success year in, year, out, year in and year out. But um, when, you, when you make that jump and you struggle, what happens to that program? It's it's interesting debate. And, you know, obviously they're not having much uh, – Competition in FCS level, so maybe it is time. But um, they they're champions again, and until they make the jump, I don't see they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be a, a team to be uh, reckoned with for years to come. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I think it was a a big big game. It came down to the wire, the last play, the last three seconds. So um, shout out to North Dakota State. And that's pretty much our, our wrap-up of FCS football on the season. Yeah, um, and, and until February, I guess, with recruiting and with our, both of our teams, Temple and SEMO, for that last signing day. But, yeah, I think FCS football, besides the kids hitting the weights and, and getting the body healed up and ready for next year, I think uh, games and practices are all in the books. Yep, and uh, next episode we're going to cover a recap of the national championship game. And we're going to give you a little bit of a preview what to see coming forward um, with the the show. Since college football will officially be over once we record next episode. Um, which next episode technically... Uh, no, yeah. Next episode, college football will be over. We will go over what we'll be covering after a recap. So some interesting stuff and some exciting stuff to, to move forward with. So... That's it for episode 21. Go Owls. Go Red Hawks. Peace.
Welcome back to the Nest College Football Podcast. My name is Chris, and we got... Tony! And we have Brittany, and we're here to talk to Bachelor Nation about Peter the Pilot. We're restarting. <laughs>